Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor David Tijerina. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. privilege and a blessing. I'm so excited tonight. I believe God's going to do some tremendous things. I want to do something a little different during altar call. I believe God just wants to really activate some gifts in this place. If you guys could turn down the monitors just a little bit. I'm drowning myself and I'm whispering right now. But Matthew chapter 16 and uh, I want to be several Places I think Philippians four and just a whole bunch of places. Who knows? But I want to I, I want to just reiterate uh, part of my last sermon about uh, when Lazarus uh, I'm sorry the, uh, the 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 beggar was on the side of the road and and he heard that Jesus was passing by and. He asked, you know, what's going on? And he says, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he makes the declaration, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him to be quiet. And he started yelling out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so what he is saying is he was a, a, a Jew and he was declaring that Jesus was Messiah. And so somewhere in our lives, we need to make a declaration from Jesus of Nazareth and make him Jesus Messiah. Okay, I want to tell you, there's a lot of Christians that go to church. They've been in church 15, 20 years, and I'm not questioning their salvation, but I, I don't really feel that a lot of Christians have made that distinction of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, just something I've heard about. Uh, he's a good teacher. Uh, he's a, he, he, he does a lot of good miracles, uh, but he never becomes Jesus Messiah. Jesus, my Lord. Jesus, my Savior. You know there's certain things that need to be happening in your life for that to be prevalent. And I want to talk about one of those things tonight. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 18. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16. My, my throat's a little scratchy, so bear with me tonight. Matthew chapter 16. Some of you are probably saying, praise God, does that mean he won't be so loud tonight? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Matthew 16, let me start off with this real quick, verses 18 and 19. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Okay, so I just want to stop there for a second. Doesn't mean that Peter was the first pope. Doesn't mean that Peter was going to be the big rock that it, the whole church was going to be established on. But it means little rock. When you look at the devil, it means little rock. How many know everyone in here, if you're a born-again Christian, you're a little rock? How I many know Jesus is the foundation and all of us are stones that are being built up in the house of God? Okay, is everybody with me? All right, good. 
All right. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So binding and loosening is a very misused word by Christians. And I'm not going to... I'm not talking about that at all tonight, but I just want to tell you, he's not talking about, how many know we can get fanatic? Devil, I bind you. I bind you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> okay, that's not what he's talking about. All right, so I'll have Professor Digga or, or Rabbi Rob one of these days do a class on, on, on binding and loosing because that's not what he means. All right, so, so it'll be a good teaching for, for us, uh, and so we won't be going around binding the devil and then casting them out. You just bound me. How am I supposed to cast out? You know, if you going to jump out of the door, you know. Okay, so, all right, y'all get it. But tonight, what, he, what he's talking about here, and, and what I want to talk about tonight is the value of prayer. Because I don't think that we really know the value of our prayer time. As a matter of fact, if you don't pray, then you haven't made Jesus the Messiah yet. You're still at Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just said that I did. Because there's no way to get closer to Jesus unless you're talking to him. Decisions are made during this time of prayer. Yes, we, we, we are praying for things, but it's a time of decision. It's a, it's a time where, where I am actually doing battle. It's a time when, when uh, things are being worked out in my life. Here the word of God is declaring that the gates of hell shall not prevail. When he's talking about the gates of hell, he's not talking about these little doors like here that enter into the, the foyer here. No, no. He's, in Bible days, uh, they were talking about these big doors and this, this big area. It's a, it was a place or, or a principal seat of authority. And in Bible times, it was an area where these gates were at that even had offices within this area. And it would be like a, a civic center almost. And this is where the council met to begin to strategize for battle. This was a place where lawsuits were settled. This was a place where, where weddings were even performed. All kinds of civic activities uh, that took place, uh, place uh, at the city gates. And Jesus said that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He's talking about the council of hell. He's talking about the strategies of hell, the combined resources of hell, that they will not be able to stand against the church. Amen. Somebody get excited. If you don't get excited yet, we'll, we'll be here in just a minute. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Okay, so now everybody's looking at I got keys. Okay, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. 
When we talk about keys, we're talking about authority. When we're talking about keys, we're talking about having access. How many here, you have keys to your house. That gives you authority to go into your house. And so here Jesus is giving us keys. And and Peter was the the first one to activate these keys by, by beginning to preach the gospel. He opened the door for the gospel. He opened the door for the Gentiles. Okay, y'all with me? He's given us this, but here's the problem is that you and I, well, not actually a problem, but here's the situation. You and I have to take them and begin to apply them in our lives. And I want to look at one key this evening, and maybe one day they'll, they'll do a, a series on the keys of, uh, of heaven or, or the keys that Jesus gave us, but I want to look at one key tonight, and that is the key of prayer. This is vital. I want to tell you, how many here, you, you struggle in Christianity, you struggle in marriage, your kids are backslidden, your kids are who knows where, or, or uh, your finances are all screwed up, or uh, why are all these issues all around us? How many know when we don't pray, when we don't do the things and, and, and we mess up? How many know heaven, I mean, I'm sorry, hell begins to tie themselves back to us? Okay, so when he's talking about, I just want to give this little portion. When he's talking about loosening, you're untying that, you're loosening. That also means to dissolve. I'm dissolving my association with that. How many know you can't overcome sin without prayer? It's me getting closer to Jesus and wanting to please the Lord that I stop sinning. I don't just, I'm going to go cold turkey. (laughs) Okay, no, I have to begin to loosen things in my life. Okay, I've heard Chris say, I loosen the Spirit of God upon them. Well, you just cut the Spirit of God from them. What the? Okay, how many know it's, it's good to understand what the Word of God is talking about? Okay, so that's what he's talking about, loosening up. So we, we, we need to be clear on this tonight. How many here, you've ever gone to court? How many here, you, got, you received a court summons in the mail and didn't go? <laughs> I got the first row here. <laughs> I remember one time, I didn't feel that I deserved the ticket. So I didn't pay it, and I didn't go to court. So you know what happened was, is there was a judgment against me. See, when you don't show up to court, uh, you have to face very serious repercussions, including including defaulting, judgments, or a warrant. I had a warrant. (laughs) I didn't know about this until I got to Michigan. I decided to go on a drive along with my brother because he's a police officer up in Detroit. So he has to run a background check on me. He goes, dude, 
why is your license suspended? I'm like, huh? He goes, there's a warrant for you. I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> you know, good thing I didn't go on the drive. Could you imagine my own brother <laughs> arresting me and taking me in? <laughs> that would have not been good. That would have been bad. The second time. Yes, there was another time. I used to... I used to speed a lot when I was younger. I actually went to court, and I had to negotiate. And so I'm going back and forth, and I just looked at the judge. He happened to be Hispanic. I said, viva la raza, homie. <laughs> and he actually dismissed the case. Oh. Remember that one, babe? The, 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 the homeless person that walked in front of that jumped out in the street in front of me. It wasn't my fault. The third time. Once again, I felt it wasn't my fault. So this time, I had, well, I had a, a friend that was a sheriff, and, and the, the, the police officer in question wrote the wrong, uh, um, yeah, wrong number on the, the ticket. It was for something else. And so it wasn't for the thing that he pulled me over and wrote down on the thing. He wrote the wrong number down. So when you get a ticket, make sure you cross-reference the number. <laughs> And so, so I had mentioned this when I, you know how you have, to, you have to pay first and then you end up, so I, so I go to court and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I, I know I'm right. I got a case. I got a case. So the police officer got wind that I had a case. He didn't show up. So because he didn't show up, I got off again. Can I tell you something, church? When you don't pray, it's like you didn't show up for court. Because can I tell you in Revelation 12, 10, that the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. There's a real devil that's there every day accusing you and I. He's making his declaration why you should not be blessed. He is making this plea to God why uh, you should go through what you're going through. It is our prayers uh, that just showing up and using the word of God and it's his grace uh, that keeps him down. But when we don't show up, when you're not praying, and then you begin to say, why are my kids going through what they're going through right now? Just look in the mirror because it's you not showing up to court and judgment has been passed against you. Man, this is serious. I, I didn't want it to be too serious, but it is. It, it, gosh. Do you see value in prayer now? See, most people don't value prayer or see the importance of prayer because they don't understand it. They don't understand how serious this is. 
Charles Spurgeon. He says, a, a true prayer is an inventory of needs, a catalog of necessities, an exposure of secret wounds, a revelation of hidden poverty. You know, Charles Spurgeon, when he passed away, he had 65,000 people show up for three days at his church service. He had 100,000 people lined up on the streets when they were taking him from the church to his resting place. And you know, Charles Spurgeon, this is from one of his commentaries, the first thing he did when he had a guest or a visitor, he never showed him the big cathedral, never showed him his office, never showed him how, how, how mass his book collection was. The first place that Charles Spurgeon took everyone who was visiting him was the prayer room. He said, that's what makes the church. He would have people praying while he's preaching. How many know we need prayer? So I want to look at a couple of things real quick because I want to take time to, to pray tonight. But there's a couple of things. Because in reality, prayer is, first of all, it's making a declaration on my dependence on God. In John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Here's a proclamation with a promise that if you abide in me, if you remain in Christ, that you can ask what you want and it will be done. But it comes by abiding. That it's in, by abiding in that union that we further begin to receive his purity. I mean, I can't be pure outside of Jesus. He's, his blood's what makes me pure, not nothing I do. How many know there's no joy outside of salvation? Yes, there might be happiness. I mean, there's happy people, but that's not joy. How many know there's no power outside of Jesus? How many know true blessings come from the Lord? Here Jesus says, I'm the vine. We are the branches. Uh, how many know everything that the branches need is in the vine? Can I tell you, the, the branches are not stressing out whether they're going to bear fruit or not. Oh, my God, here's the season. I, 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 I don't know if it's going to come this year or not. No, they depend. They don't even stress. They just know that all their nutrients is coming from the vine. And for us, this comes through prayer. It comes by being disciples and obeying the word of God. Knowing the word of God. Okay, obeying. But how many know you can't obey if you don't know the word of God? And praying. Praying for revelation. Here, listen. Listen, in John, how many know there's people that know, that, that have read the whole Bible and still don't understand it? You know why? Because they don't pray. You cannot understand the word of God unless you're praying. Unless you're asking, Father, give me some insight. Give me revelation into your word. Give me understanding. Well, Pastor, I don't agree with you. I don't care what you agree with, but I'm just telling you the way it is. I just, I've been saved too long. I've just seen, I, if that was the case, then why were the Pharisees wrong? 
They know the Bible a heck of a lot more than you and I do. That's why they got all those little things sticking all off because they memorized it. <laughs> See, I'm not, I don't know what those things are, but I know what they mean. They mean that they've learned the scripture. They've memorized the scripture. They get another little tassel. Woo, I know the word. Okay, listen to this. In John 8, 31, this is Jesus speaking. If you abide, so now here, first he's saying, if you abide in me, now, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I don't like that translation. I don't even know why I picked the English Standard Version. Why did I do that? Okay, that's not the true the true definition says that you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's a process. Okay, so you can look it up in the King James Version. It says, he shall make you free. Because I've seen a lot of people that come to Christ, and they still, you know, it'd be nice. And, and, and a lot of things are broken. Thank God. God delivers. I've seen it. But I've been saved too doggone long. I've seen people that still bring their baggage to Christianity. And they still have a lot of stuff to go through. And so as, as, as the more they learn about Christ, the more, oh, you know what? I don't need that bag anymore. And they're like, oh, I don't need that bag anymore. And, and their walk gets lighter. Because you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It's not an instant thing. And I know there's deliverance. I know the blood of Jesus washes of our sins. But we need to let some of the baggage go. See, I cannot understand the word or gain revelation unless I abide. Unless I am seeking and praying and asking. There are promises that the people of God miss out on simply because they don't know. They just don't know. They're right there in the word of God, and yet they'll go through all life struggling because they don't know. It says if you abide in the word, you got to, how many know you got to open the word? Okay, now how many know you got to read the word? <laughs> you gotta read, I opened it, but I don't know, you got to read the word. Okay, then all of a sudden you're praying, it begins to come understanding to you. But it comes through prayer. There's so many scriptures on it. Mark 11, 24, therefore I say unto you, what things whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. How many know that's a pretty good dog? How many know that's pretty clear? It's pretty clear. That the closer I get to God, how many know that I begin to mature? So I'm not doing what James says you have not because you ask not or you ask amiss. He's talking about you begin to ask, I want, I want to be a millionaire. Okay, no, no. Okay, you're just asking amiss. Okay, you have to make up your mind. I want kingdom things. I want kingdom desires. I want to advance the kingdom of God. Pray. Y'all with me tonight? Okay. Now Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, 
It comes through prayer. You all stressed out, you ain't praying. I'm sorry, you're not praying. You're not fasting and praying. There's certain things you're going through, you're going to have to fast. Huh? Yes, you got to leave those tacos alone. I know they're good, especially the greasier they are. In and out, got to go for a day or two. There's certain things you're going through. You're gonna, Jesus even told his own disciples certain things only come out by prayer and fasting. I know he's talking about healing there, but I mean, there's some things. You're in the battle. Your kids backslidden. You better be fasting for them and pray. Don't go on vacation. Thank God. A couple of people excited about their kids. Praise God. I don't know what it is tonight. So many scriptures about asking and about prayer. And it comes through abiding. Abiding means everything in me depends on Jesus. I don't care if I get a paycheck. I don't care if I have money in the bank. I don't care if I have a good job. My dependency is still on Jesus because all these temporal things can be taken away. Paul says, you can take all this stuff away. It's nothing but dung, poop, caca. He says, my whole press, my whole thing in life is to know you. All this thing is temporal. Take it away. But my whole thing is I want to abide in you. See, I know that as long as I'm abiding in Christ, my fruit will come. It's through my abiding and, and growing in Christ and, and learning the value of prayer that I learn that I will bear fruit. And that I can make it through anything. Ooh, y'all with me? I'm excited here because it's a good part. Listen, anything that I'm going through, if I'm praying, I can make it through. How do I know that? Because he says the gates of hell should not prevail. That no matter what I'm going through, his joy comes in the morning. No matter what the devil throws at me, the sun has set me free or is making me free. I mean, no, it's actually prayer that prepares me for the day's battles. Oh, y'all get that? And I've learned that it's Christians that don't pray that struggle and want to quit. Pastor Omar, life is so hard. Ya no puedo. See, I'll say what Pastor Omar can't say. Have you prayed, brother? <laughs> Who do you think you are? A pastor that have gone through a lot of prayer sessions to, to allow the Spirit of God to take me where we're at. <laughs> we didn't just arrive here. We went through some struggles I've heard their testimony. It's like some of y'all don't even know what they, they're, they're fighting over. 
<laughs> While you're in bed, <gasps> they're in the prayer room praying and contending for your soul. You're at Taco Bell and they're praying in the prayer room. You know, like, I want to tell you, Christians struggle. Listen to me. Christians struggle because they don't. Did you ever hear Paul when he quit? He was shipwrecked. I haven't been shipwrecked. He was beaten. I haven't been beaten. And I don't know about turning the other cheek yet. I mean, I'm going to hit you back and I'm going to repent. Oh, snap. I got to watch out because stuff being recorded. <laughs> oh, por mi culpa. All right, let me get serious here. Listen, it's actually prayer that prepares me for the battle today. Jesus told his disciples at Gethsemane, here he is going through one of the biggest fights of his life. And he says in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. If your eyes always, whoo, mama. <laughs> That's the flesh. You got to pray. Paul says, I got to beat my body into subjection. My body wants to, whoo, <laughs> No, stop it. Pasote. <laughs> he says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, you have to form a discipline to be able to pray. Trust me, it's a lot easier to sleep than to fight. It's a lot easier to say, you know what, I'll do it tomorrow than to know I have to fight right now. Here is Jesus' biggest trial, and he comes and finds the disciples sleeping. He goes off a little more and begins to pray because he knew what he was getting ready to face. Do you want to learn the value of prayer? Here it is. Could you imagine Calvary without Gethsemane? If he has to pray, and I'm not even worthy to look, to, to untie his laces, what makes me think that I can make it through a day without prayer? What makes me think that I could fight the battles that I'm going through and not get a hold of God the Father? Could you imagine Calvary without Gethsemane? Would he have been able to say up there, it is finished. But he was being strengthened during that time. See, Gethsemane was a place of decision. It was where the decision was made, not my will, but your will be done. It is living in the outcome and not in the situation. 
It is trusting God no matter what. Prayer, and can I tell you, prayer didn't start for Jesus in Gethsemane. In Luke 5, 16, the Bible says, but he would withdraw to a desolate places and pray. This was a constant thing with Jesus. In Mark 1, 35, and rising very early in the morning, not at noon, early in the morning while it was still dark. Oh, Pastor, it was probably, you know, the, the fall time when it's dark. No, no, it was before. <laughs> he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. See, when we see the true value of prayer, drawing closer to God, then we want to do it. We desire to do it. We long to do it. Secondly, it keeps me sensitive to God. It keeps me sensitive to the Holy Spirit and allows me to get glimpses of what is to come. Oh, y'all missed that one. If I'm not praying and being sensitive to the Spirit of God, I can miss what God has for my life. See, when I pray, I'm expecting. I'm walking around like this. I remember when, I, when we first got to Gardena, we, we didn't have a, well, before we got to Gardena, we, we came and looked at a house and we put the bid in and, and some uh, um, a Japanese couple uh, outbid us and they got the house. And my wife kept on praying. And I'm like, babe, it's a done, it's a done deal. They signed the, pap- they signed the papers. <laughs> they literally signed the papers. And my, and my wife goes, no, babe, God's going to give it to us. And so here I'm thinking, it's a done deal. They, they've signed the papers. I'm the pastor, the man of God, the one that prays for the living. <laughs> and here she says, no, we're going to get it. She stood firm on God's word. Now, check this out. So after they signed the paper, we just went out and said, okay, well, you know what? We're a couple days here. Let's go celebrate. Let's go party down. We went throughout L.A. and, and just visiting different locations. And, and then finally went back to Yuma, Arizona. And, and as soon as we got home, the phone's ringing. It's like, what the heck? So we pick up the phone, and it's the realtor that we were working for, working with. And she goes, where have you guys been? And I'm like, in California. We just saw you a few days ago. And she goes, she goes, she goes this is the weirdest thing. I've never seen it done before. The people decided to move back to Japan, and uh, the couple that's renting the house, they said, do you guys want it? And so we ended up getting that house. And so how many know with God, nothing is impossible? But when you pray, the Bible says you have to expect it. You can't pray. Okay, you have to go and expect it. It it was like 1 Kings uh, uh, chapter 18. Here is um, Elijah, and and, uh, he told the the king Ahab that it's going to rain, and and there was a drought in the land. No rain, no clouds, nothing. It was sun beating down. And so the Bible says in verse 44, and uh, uh, he he prayed, and he said, go up, look towards the sea. And he went and looked and says, there is nothing. And he says, go again. So seven times he sent them out. And on the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he says, Go up until I have prepared the chairs and go, lest the rain stop you. He says, That's the answer of God. Wait a minute, it's just a little cloud. Sometimes we can miss the little glimpses of blessing. 
It's right there before us, and we miss what God has for our lives because we're looking at look for this big kaboom. And God says, look, look, I'm, I'm trying to stir some faith in you. Can you at least see the signs of blessing coming your way and begin to rejoice in them? Sometimes faith is like planting a tree. You know, you might not see nothing for a while, and then one day, you know, you're sitting under a shade and say, wow, I forgot I planted this. You ever thought about that? See, your faith begins to grow as you begin to see the clouds the size of a man's fist. See, there has to be an expectancy in your prayers or you can miss what God has for your life. Once again, in Matthew 21, 22, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. I want to close with this thought. Maybe you're struggling and you say, Pastor, I've been praying. I haven't seen anything. Maybe you feel that you've lacked fruit. You've prayed, you've fasted, but you're still barren. Almost like Luke chapter 1 talking about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Bible says that they were righteous before God. Not just men, but they were righteous before God. This was an awesome couple of God. And yet, she was barren. But can I tell you something about Zacharias? He never forsook the altar. He, was, he didn't get discouraged. He wasn't of heavy heart. But the Bible says that he went in there and offered incense, incense which is, a, which is a, a, a symbol of thanksgiving. And the angel appears and says, Zacharias, your prayers have come up before God. No, he could have said, you know what, dude, I prayed that like 50 years ago, and you're just now showing up? <laughs> See, God often waits until every natural reason looks like it's too late. Oh, y'all missed it. Waits until men, with men it is impossible, and then he sends the angel. See, don't be discouraged tonight. Your blessing is coming. God's going to open up that womb. God's going to open up those finances. God's going to bless those marriages. I want to take a, a moment here to close with this. In, in Matthew 18, 19, and 20, this is what I want to do tonight. That there's some people, you're going through some stuff, tough stuff tonight. And I want to activate some gifts tonight. But in Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So the power of God is here tonight. God wants to touch you. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.